It's a Saturday, and I'm Kramer. This is Saturdays with Kramer right here on the Bet 1660 Kansas City. Hopefully, we have all have tried to cool off this entire week. Yeah, I know. It's been in the hundreds. It's been in the hundreds. Heat index like 110, 115, 120. What? No, no. We've gotten to a lot of hotness here in July. It was due to come. It was. It was. It's just how we can keep cool. And how I was keeping cool was, one, staying inside and looking at what was happening with all the trades happening in Major League Baseball, getting excited, getting giddy, getting sad as well because of what we're going to be getting into today. As today's show, we're going to kiss some Cardinals goodbye. Shohei Otani is the most captivating baseball player in many ways. Orioles should buy at the deadline. Also, a stadium update from John Sherman. Dodgers in panic buying mode. We have fair or foul, and we also have some bets to get to as well on this Saturday's a Kramer edition. Chime in on the show on Twitter at Kramer Talks. Tweet at me. And also, I'm on threads. View all you threadhead maniacs out there. Kramer Sansone is out there. My full name, Kramer Sansone. It's uh, it's S-A-N-S-O-N-E. Not Samsung, Sanson, or however you want to pronounce it as well. No, that's not what it sounds like, or it's not what it looks like on the, on the wording as well. So get my name right when you do spell it. S-A-N-S-O-N-E. But we can... Finally, I guess, put the nail in the coffin for the St. Louis Cardinals season. They've already dropped two games already to the Chicago Cubs in their series that started on Thursday. When Thursday was only five games, and Thursday's games were fantastic. But Cardinals, we're going to see a lot of people be moved from this team. We've already saw one player last week in Unisys Cabrera. We saw him get traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. That's the only one, and there's a list out there of players who could possibly be deemed tradable or be traded from this team. Hey, we saw reports yesterday that the New York Yankees and the Texas Rangers are in the lump sum of trying to get inquiries on the right-handed pitcher of Jordan Hicks. Remember, he's a, a guy that is a, a wild, loose cannon pitcher. He he has time, trouble trying to find his command, and he also has time has hard trying to stay on the field. It, it's just, it's just a, an influx of, oh, man, Jordan Hicks looks great. Oh, he can't find the zone. Oh, he's hurt. That's exactly what his back three to four years of him being the majors have been. But the Rangers, Yankees, are thinking about, you know what, acquiring Jordan Hicks. And I can only think of this. If, you, if you're a Cardinals fan at this point in time and you are hearing that Jordan Hicks or Jordan Montgomery or Jack Flaherty, the top three names that be trade targeted for the St. Louis Cardinals, as a fan, you should be like, okay, it's sad to see some of these guys go like Jack Flaherty. Absolutely love Jack Flaherty, especially what he's done as in St. Louis Cardinals uniform. But you also got to think of what you could get in the return hole. I get it. Jack Flaherty hasn't had his best season. We, I remember we got Jordan Montgomery last year for Harrison Bader. You kind of want to get a good return out of Jordan Montgomery since you've already sent Harrison Bader, one of your fan favorite guys, to New York. But man, this is uh, just be just remember, whatever they get in return, it's got to be good for the Cardinals, and it's going to actually help this team because I don't think John Mozeliak wants to like hit the restart button per se because you already know he's not he doesn't want to trade Nolan, he doesn't want to trade Paul, he doesn't want to trade Newt, he doesn't want to trade uh, uh, Brandon Donovan. Those are uh, um, uh, four of the guys, or, or even Tyler O'Neill, five of the guys that he's deemed untradeable off this team because he wants to keep his nucleus around them. And if you're if you're going to talk about nucleus of a team, Nolan Arenado has to be on that. But we'll get to that in a second. But some of the guys that are also on the trade market, like I said, Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty, Dylan Carlson, Paul DeYoung, and the name that has been shocking the most because I said something about the nucleus, Nolan Arenado. 
Nolan Arenado has been linked to the Los Angeles Dodgers, and for good reason. Nolan is from, is a Southern California kid. I, I believe the Dodgers was his favorite team growing up. But the thing is that also strikes me funny is Nolan always wanted to play for the St. Louis Cardinals. He has made he tried to the past three seasons until he got traded to St. Louis. He wanted to become a St. Louis Cardinal. And you also got to remember, too, he has a full no-trade clause in his contract. And he has yet to be approached by management to waive that no-trade clause. And we all are assuming, okay, we get it. I, I, I honestly think if there was a team that he were to be traded to, it would be the Los Angeles Angels because of what they're doing currently right now to hopefully bolster and build their team. But I don't think that's even going to happen. And you also got to think, Arenado waived his opt-out clause in his contract last fall because he wanted to stay, continue his career with the St. Louis Cardinals fran- uh, franchise and also won a World Series there. So that is at least something to be looking, I guess, graceful-wise or like knowing that you could keep a MVP-caliber guy, always a Gold Glover-caliber candidate on your team for the foreseeable future until his contract's over. But if you are to trade Nolan Arenado to the Los Angeles Dodgers, you better get a hole from it. You better get Bobby Miller, who's had a great, great season this year. I think he's has like a 2.8 ERA. He'd be great for the bullpen, not bullpen, for the pitching rotation here for the St. Louis Cardinals. Heck, you can even get a Miguel Vargas, who really hasn't had a great season right now for the Dodgers. But you should at least consider the fact of, some highly talented players who've been called up for the Dodgers to be like, you know what, maybe it's like a scenery change aspect for them. Maybe it's their sophomore season is going to be even better, say for Miguel Vargas. Maybe. That's a big maybe and what ifs. We already know what the production is for Nolan Arenado week in and week out. You also might want to throw in there one of the top-ranked pitchers in their farm system, Gavin Stone. You just got to think, if you're trading a position player right now for the St. Louis Cardinals, you are not acquiring a position player. You are acquiring a bullpen person. That's why I said Dylan Carlson and Paul DeYoung. Those are two guys in an overcrowded outfield and infield. Paul DeYoung is a great shortstop. I've actually absolutely loved Paul DeYoung since they got rid of Alumnus Diaz back in 2017 to the, I think it was the Toronto Blue Jays at the time. When they made that trade happen, I was like, okay, I love Alumnus Diaz, but I mean, I guess time's to come because Paul DeYoung is a stud. But there is Tommy Edmond, who's on the I.L., and Brandon Donovan, who can play every single position in the infield. And you have um, also Nolan Gorman, who's a second baseman, third baseman. He's not a shortstop. I get it. Paul DeYoung's a shortstop. But you could probably put um, a Tommy Edmond or um, a Brandon Donovan there to fill that hole. And heck, Dylan Carlson, another person that could possibly be moved. That outfield is overcrowded. You've pos- you have forced Jordan Walker, who's a natural third baseman, to play in the outfield and Alec Burleson's been called up just because of injury reasons, and he's still up there. Heck, he even got robbed last night of a walk-off home run. But you are, but Tyler O'Neill just came off the IL. You have a large Newt Bar out there as well, Jordan Walker patrolling the outfield. It is a crowded outfield space, especially if you are trying to make it onto the starting lineup if you're Alec Burleson or even Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson has gone to bench roll. I could see how he could be traded and could be traded for a good, solid pitcher in Major League Baseball. Dylan Carlson is a gold glove candidate every single year when he's out there on the field. That is what the Cardinals do. They always produce the great defenders out there, but yet we're not seeing that this season. There's a good reason why they are fourth in this division. They've already lost two games to the Chicago Cubs and are in jeopardy of losing this series. They have to win tonight and also on Sunday in order to tie because they cannot win the series whatsoever. I'm hoping they are able to do it. Adam Wainwright's on the mound tonight for the St. Louis Cardinals. 
Um, and uh, Jameson Tyon's on the hill for the Chicago Cubs. So it's a very winnable game. And, heck, I even placed a bet today thinking that Tyler O'Neill and Paul Goldschmidt will also hit a home run in today's game. It is hot out here in Kansas City, and I know it's going to be hot out there in St. Louis, so feel free to tally on that bet as well. But there are some Cardinals out there that we could see possibly on the moves. And you just got to get a good hole from them. You just have to. And it'd be, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if Dylan Carlson, heck, I don't think Wilson Kachurish, he should honestly be considered to possibly being put on the market, I guess. I think a, a good move for the St. Louis Cardinals, if you package Wilson Kachurish and Dylan Carlson to get Luis Severino, who has had a down season this year, but a scenery change could help him out, and the Cardinals need a, pitching, a pitcher, and I think Luis Severino could be a Cardinals guy for them to fall in love with. But, man, there's so much that's going to happen here in the next few days for the St. Louis Cardinals that we just got to sit back, relax, and enjoy it because we do not know what the foreseeable future is for this team. I've already I've already thanked that the St. Louis Cardinals are not making the postseason whatsoever. But things can they proved me wrong once. Heck, they went on a 17-game winning streak two years ago under Mike Schilt, and they got they end up losing the wild card games against the Dodgers, against Max Scherzer and the Dodgers. Of course, they go up against Max Scherzer and the freaking Dodgers. That's how that season ended. Man, Max Scherzer's so good. And he's on the trade market too. Heck, Carlos could uh, bring the Mizzou move Mizzou guy back to Missouri. I mean, I'd like that. I, heck, come on. I mean, we already know the Mets are in sell mode. Why? Why? Why not? I mean, heck, I'll get the Justin Verlander in a little bit section, a little bit later on in the fair or foul section. Shohei Otani on Thursday was absolutely captivating. It was fantastic to watch. Thursday, I I typically on Thursdays uh, work from home, and we all know how that goes. I watch baseball the entire time. I can't wait till when noon happens. I get to watch baseball from noon to whenever um, whenever my lovely fiance gets home. So it's, it's kind of fun and a good a- essence of doing that. Got to watch Shohei Otani pitch. A one-hitter against the Detroit Tigers. Like his first ever complete game shutout. And in the next game, because it was a doubleheader, he hit two home runs and helped the Los Angeles Angels of uh, actually sweep the Detroit Tigers, which, I mean, it's the Detroit Tigers. It's, it's relatively easy to, to beat the Detroit Tigers at this point in time. Heck, I went to a, a game against the Royals and Tigers where the Royals were beating the Detroit Tigers, but yet the Detroit Tigers came back and won. Went to the game and uh, with my mother. We got a couple of bobbleheads of those... Uh, the, the Bo Jackson bobblehead night was the night we went to, so that was a, it was a, it was a good bobblehead. I actually enjoy it. But you're not here to listen to me talk about the Detroit Tigers and bobbleheads. You're here to talk to me, hear me talk about Shohei Otani. He is the most captivating baseball player, I believe, now in Major League history, because the entire trade deadline was on pause, except if you were the Atlanta Braves, who's just trying to acquire bullpen guys like they did last season and the season beforehand. Everybody was waiting on the Angels whether or not if they were going to trade Shohei Otani or not. And I was in the firm camp of they were not trading Shohei Otani whatsoever. There's no reason for him to do it. But I enjoyed the speculation part to it. Just figure out like, hey, if he was in the tradable asset, where would he, where could he possibly go? I mean, heck, you've already um, heard this on multiple of my podcasts before or my podcasted versions of the Sires of Kramer 4. And since the Angels said we're not trading him, Moves after moves after moves after moves have swept across Major League Baseball. Giants are buying at some point. The Dodgers have already bought. The White Sox are selling. We've already saw the first pillar fall in the New York Mets where it's uh, it looks like it will be a full sell mode. R- Red Sox were 
I didn't realize were going to sell, I guess. We already knew I already knew the pirates were going to sell. But everything was already lined up and all the the news that had to break was, hey, the Angels aren't selling Shohei Otani anymore. Open the floodgates. Everybody is for sale. It's going to be a big fire sale here in Major League Baseball, whether if it has already happened or whether if it is going to soon to be happening because it's just trade season. And we already know with, uh, with how it goes. I am going to have a show on Tuesday. The trade deadline is at 5 Central, so I will go live about 4.30, probably end it at 5.30. And I'm going to be covering everything up to date on what's happening in Major League Baseball's trade deadline. And I will also be discussing all the deals that are taking place. And I, one thing is possible, one thing is for sure is I absolutely cannot wait because I've always one of one of my favorite days in Major League Baseball is the trade deadline. The other one is when opening day happens. So, I mean, all-star breaks in there, of course, when the, the final day of um, game 162 has always been a great one for me as well. But tune in on Tuesday because we're going to be discussing everything, and I mean everything, regarding the trade deadline. But Shohei Otani is just one of the captivating baseball players in Major League Baseball, and I just can't get enough of him. I just can't. I mean, I got a, I got a, a baseball jersey from him. And all that. Heck, I even made sure it made it a point to where I went and watched the game at Kaufman. And I'll tell you what, that was a surreal experience just to know that everybody was absolutely you could hear you could hear a pin drop at Kaufman Stadium for how quiet it was for him to be there at the dish. And heck, he I think he got I think he struck out once and then he flew out once and he hit that home run and everyone was like in awe. But it was like every single time he would even foul off the ball, everybody was like, oh, oh. It was just everybody, even the vendors. I think the vendors even stopped just to stare to watch. The workers there, the people in line at the at the hot dog stands decided to live the hot dog stands in order to watch what Shohei was about to do at the dish. This is what he does in every waking moment of his entire life. Whether it's him walking down the street, buying food, playing baseball, heck, even playing catch, or even signing autographs. Shohei Otani is the most captivating player, whether if it's also on social media, through news, heck, you name it, even the, even the papers. All the clips on YouTube, threads, Twitter, you name it. Everybody is interactive with what Shohei Otani is doing, it's global. It's not just here in the United States. It's overseas. It's in it's in Japan. It's in Korea. Heck, it's even in probably even China. You can even say Italy's even doing it. Even Europe. Everybody who's a baseball fan who consumes baseball is grasping and wanting more and more and more Shohei Otani. So why can't the Angels do anything about it in order to get this man to the postseason? But you know what? They did. They went out there and the Angels acquired after they said that we are not moving Shohei Otani. They went out and they got Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez from the White Sox for catcher Edgar Aquero and Kai Bush. Absolutely fantastic deal saying that, hey, we're not trading Shohei, and boom, here's our um, uh, pocket aces. We're getting one of the best pitchers on the free, and not even on the free agent market, one of the best pitchers on the trade market, Lucas Giolito. And he went out there and he dazzled last night 
in the Blue Jays and Angels game. I'm not 100% sure if he ended up getting the win on that or not, but he went out there and he performed the way he's supposed to. Now the now the team of the Angels need to focus more on that bullpen because that bullpen is going to be the saving grace for this team as it I mean they lost um a 4 to 1 to the Blue Jays, but only one run came across, and that one run was in the first inning, and that was a Shohei Otani bomb last night. But Lucas Giolito making his Angels debut was fantastic. So the Angels aren't just only holding the market captive, or Shohei Otani. They're doing something about it, and they are not done. They are not done trying to field around this team because, I mean, Mike Trout's hurt. Anthony Randone's hurt. What can you do to bolster them around it? We're going to find out here in the next few weeks. We're going to take a mountain visit here on Saturdays with Kramer. We'll be right back. And, uh, yeah, more baseball to talk about because we got to talk about local. We'll talk about Kansas City Royals. We'll do that next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660. Back at it on a Saturday. It's the Saturdays of Kramer right here on the Bet 1660. I was scrolling through the, the Bird app. Well, I don't even know if it's even called the Bird app anymore. I, Elon changed it to X. So is it Twitter X? I mean, I still type Twitter in the search bar, and it still pops up as Twitter. But on the X app, Twitter X, we'll call it that way. I didn't see this, but during uh, during the Blue Jays game, Matt Chapman, third baseman, Gold Glover, former Oakland Athletic, he said to the Blue Jays manager, and I quote, you can read his lips. You can clear as they read his lips say this. This is he's regarding all his comments right here to Shohei Otani. Why do we pitch to him? He's the only bleeping guy on the team that can hit. I mean, he's got a fair point. Yeah, Shohei Otani is the only bleeping guy on that team that can hit and hit for power, contact. Mostly majority of his time it's power. But man, Shohei Otani is so good. He's he's just so good. You know who also is kind of I mean, I would say he's getting better. I call I mean, I think he's I think he's breaking out. And he's breaking out at the right time. And well, I mean, not the right time because I mean, they're already a, a, How do I word this properly? Can't say Royals last night one on a walk-off grand slam due to this guy. Duran has walked the last two. The tying run is at third, the winning run is at second. And the 3-2 pitch. Swing and a drive to deep left field. Back goes Castro. It is gone. The Royals needed two. They got four on a walk-off grand slam by Bobby Witt Jr. Bobby Wood Jr. hit a walk-off grand slam last night that was just looked fantastic. The people at the K last night who stuck around, um, even into the the far nights of extras, they and the Royals got it done. Fantastic. The fans there are the diehard fans of Kansas City, and I absolutely loved every single second of watching the clips, watching it live. You name it, everybody was fantastic, and. Getting talking more about the Royals now with this, it comes with good fortune because you know that there are some talented players on the team, and we are. I'm hoping Bobby Wood Jr. doesn't get traded, but if he gets very good value on him, 
boom, he gets traded. But the Royals shouldn't sell as much as I would say this deadline. We've already seen reports that this week that the Giants, San Francisco Giants, have touched base with the Kansas City Royals regarding Nicky Lopez. And honestly and preferably, I wish, I hope Nicky Lopez goes to a contender because I know in a crucial big game moment, Nicky can perform well. We saw that happen with him in the World Baseball Classic because he was actually tearing the cover off the ball for Team Italy. And he was doing pretty good. I was, I was hoping it would translate more over into the season, but he's a guy that can't hit the warning track. He's a guy that is going to be a line drive, get the ground ball through the middle of the infield, and boom, you're done. But the Royals should not sell many players. I mean, Nicky Lopez, Scott Barlow, I mean, maybe Scott Barlow, did he miss his window on being able to be traded? He, I mean, really hasn't done that much this past past month, month month or two. I mean, he's you know, the, the lone guy for the Kansas City Royals that was an all-star. So it's, I mean, I, I get it. No, I, I, I do. I mean, I was not the lone guy, so I would have presence there. But he's a, 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 an all-star such as Scott Barlow. But this year's deadline, they should buy. And they should buy guys that are players that you know you can have somewhat of a control for next season or some guys that you can bring on in, show them how the Kansas City, what Kansas City is all about, and hopefully they buy into the city and what the future projection is. Because, I mean, there's guys out there like Jamer Candelario, the Washington Nationals, who's going to be a free agent next season. He is a he's a guy that wasn't the wasn't the league before. He's played against the Kansas City Royals multiple times because he was a part of the Detroit Tigers at one point in his career. But a third baseman, booyah, that's great. Keep Mikel Garcia. Maybe Mikel Garcia goes from, I guess, from third to second. He could play anywhere on the infield. Heck, you can put him in the outfield spot, and he can probably perform well out there too. But Get a third baseman. Royals need a third baseman. Jamer Candelario could be a guy that helps this team out for a final stretch run. They're, I mean, they're not going to make the postseason whatsoever, but at least a, a team that us fans that enjoy the sport of baseball and how terrible this Royals team actually is, just showing like a little bit more faith because we already know that John Sherman doesn't want to wait until the end of the season in order to make some moves. He wants to make moves to set up for next season now. And I wouldn't be shocked to see him go out there and get somebody. Maybe a Tony Kemp. I know he's a free agent at the end of the season, but he's a second baseman outfielder that could easily be a plug-and-play guy here in Kansas City. Heck, even if they did trade Nicky Lopez to the Giants, maybe they go out there and get Tony Kemp from the Oakland Athletics. It's not like you're going to get a, a better upside second baseman with Tony Kemp. And, I mean, he can also play the outfield as well. But he's also a guy that can actually hit with some a little bit more power than what Nicky Lopez is. He's he's a better version of Nicky Lopez. It's what we as Kansas City people in Kansas City want to see what Nicky Lopez was supposed to be, but yet Tony Kemp is a person that we were, were wanting to happen. Maybe Jordan Montgomery as well from the St. Louis Cardinals. Maybe he just, the Royals, I know he's a free agent at the end of the year, but maybe the Royals can somehow trade for a guy and sign him to a long-term deal because, like I said, John Sherman wants to buy. And John Sherman this week sent out a letter. And I'm going to read you not the full letter, but this letter that he tweeted out or X'd it out over on the X app, Twitter. This is what I'm going I'm going to read you the bolded points from this letter to the fans. And this is as the headline goes. To our dedicated Royals fans in the Kansas City community. I'm part of the Kansas City community. Not much of the Kansas City Royals fans club, but I'm a part of the Kansas City community. But this is what he says, and I quote, we're intensely committed to restoring the Royals to their rightful place in Major League Baseball, and we will do 
what's necessary to see that through. In the next 30 days, we plan to share an overview of the ballpark district, including the, the broad benefits of the two sites under construction. He's also said later on, the construction project alone is expected to guarantee over 20,000 jobs one of $1.4 billion in labor income and $2.8 billion in total income output. This project will be a huge economic boost for the region. The inaugural, inaugural year of the new ballpark is expected to generate some of $185 million more. $1 billion in private investment to help create transformational growth. This is a huge decision for us. We're focused on playing the long game for the region we call home. The biggest takeaway from all of this is $1 billion in private investment fund to help create this transformational growth. That is insanely massive here for Kansas City. That is something that everybody in Kansas City wanted to know. They have finally given us everything that we needed to know what their ideas and plans were rather than hearing John Sherman say that we want to make something that looks like the battery out in Atlanta. I don't know how many times I've heard John Sherman say that, and I understand why because it's the most brand new ballpark that has a district around it that is generating a crap ton of money. I mean, you can you can go down I-70, go to St. Louis, and see what how the around the ballpark is at Bush Stadium where everything's growing. Heck, there's there's the ballpark village, there's apartments next to it, there's a, a Genesis Health Club that's out there as well. There's just so much being added around the ballpark and in good ways. Now, if you can build a district like what the Kansas City Royals are planning to do, like what John Sherman's idea is, then all it's going to do is generate money after money after money to where it can bring more stuff to improving the team. This was John Sherman on why he re-released the letter. That, I mean, he was he joined our sister station over on 610 Sports Radio, and uh, he this is why he said this is why he released the letter. You know, I think uh, I would just say that uh, in our commitment to be as transparent as possible in our process here. We really wanted to update uh, our fans and the community with the things that we can about the process. And, and we have, I would say we're entering a, uh, you know, fairly critical period in our process. We've done a lot of work. Uh, we're very close to having some uh, more enhanced renderings, some uh, better descriptions of the potential district around the ballpark and uh, and also the specific uh more so i would say more specific economic impact so really just wanted to give our fans a heads up uh, let them know what i'm thinking about which is you know obviously you know i'm thinking about a lot of other things and certainly uh, how we get this team where we want it as well personally i feel like i feel like he released this because we knew that the kansas city chiefs were coming back to training camp they've already up there in st joe right now I think he was waiting on the Chiefs to say something, and they didn't. And you know what the Royals did? They they took the moment away from them. They said, hey, this is what we're going to do. And this was a fantastic move on why and how he released it. But there needs to be a new ballpark. There needs to be one. And John, Mr. Sherman, he talked about how the aging building is and how a new stadium will keep a city – a major league team. You know, we acquired the team um, at a time when we knew we were in the last decade of our lease. It's an aging building, and 
and as great as it's been for us, for our fans, for all of us, and we've all had great experiences out there. It's, um, it is an old building. I think it's, you know, in the wrong place for what we could potentially do more for the community. Also us moving creates opportunities for the chiefs. So I would just say that, uh, you know, we acquired the team, um, these, these uh, assets are incredibly important uh, for the communities that they're in, both economically, but also just in particular in a small market or a, the size of market we are in Kansas City, just making sure that we uh, stay major league cities, that we stay a major league city. And I, I don't mean that just having to do with baseball. We've got a lot of momentum in Kansas City right now. But this project, you know, what we're working on, it's really about both of these great franchises and making sure that, and we're, you know, we're in close communication with the guys across the parking lot. It's really about making sure that both of these franchises can thrive and compete in this community for the next 50 years. There's a reason why I think the Royals should buy. And only reason why is because if you can bring more people in to watch baseball games and they're trying to invest money into players coming to this team, and if you buy, that means it seems like not. It seems more sexier to come to Kansas City rather than oh, it's Kansas City. That's a rebuilding type mode right now. But if they can buy a guy, I mean, they're not going to get Blake Snell. But say if they were to trade for Blake Snell and lock him up long term here in Kansas City, that will put eyeballs from other players thinking like, hey, Kansas City isn't just a team that's like the Oakland Athletics that just wants to tank and move. No, they want to build a ball club. And John Sherman talked about how the impact of a new stadium will affect and impact the payroll. You know, as it relates to payroll, um, I've been talking to JJ a lot about this as we kind of go through the season we're in. You know, we just came through the draft. Uh, we got the trade deadline coming up, but we're already talking about this offseason. And so I, we're certainly not going to wait till. Uh, uh, we have a new stadium in place before we make sure we add some of the pieces that we need, you know, that we're, that we're currently uh, finding out as we kind of work through this season of evaluation. So does that mean that Bobby Witt Jr. is going to get a contract extension? Does that mean Vinny Pasquantino is going to get a contract extension? Because out of the guys on this team, those are at least the two dudes that should easily get one. Heck, Brady Singer, maybe. He's got another performance where he struck out 10 players last night. Back-to-back games. Fantastic outing for him. But they need to improve this team, and they need to do it with urgency. Yeah, we're going to try to make the club better. And I, without, uh, last time I was on, I think he asked me if we'd be in the Otani sweepstakes. Yeah. I'm not, uh, not sure about that, but we, we, um, we're going to try to make our club better. And I'm, I'm really looking for JJ's lead here, right? What are we, where, where are we today? What do we got coming up? And then, you know, what are the pieces of the puzzle? that we can add. Obviously it's always about pitching, but you know, it's not only pitching. Uh, we got some young guys developing, but we got to think about where they are and then how we make, you know, I, you know, we talked about urgency on the project. I also have that same sense of urgency about getting, uh, getting this team back to where I think it belongs. So he is a full blown mindset. He wants to win. He probably hates the fact of how much money he's lost, I mean, he doesn't lost any money, but he's probably hates the fact how this team that he thinks that was a winning ball club that should be above 500 or at 500 ball club. It's not. I know that for a fact, but you know what, everybody, if we talk about Royals, you know what that means?
Everybody's got a price, and we got a bet today where last night, I'll tell you this right now, I didn't say anything out there, but I hit a plus 450 parlay on the on the uh, Angels and Blue Jays game. Not doing that game today because of who's pitching today. But I have a bet for the Kansas City Royals, as always. If we talk about the Royals, we give a bet out. Last week, we hit. We hit last week. So let's see if this one hits as well. So my first part on my four-leg parlay. This is all on DraftKings. Bailey Ober, five strikeouts. Jordan Lyles, three strikeouts. Byron Buxton, two total bases. And a hit from Bobby Witt Jr. That is all parlayed up to a plus 475. Right now, there's a boost going on DraftKings where I selected the 50%, boosted this bad boy to a 7.12, and a $5 bet pays you 40 bucks. That's exactly what I did. Once again, Bailey over 5Ks, Jordan Lyle, three strikeouts, Byron Buxton, two total bases, and Bobby Witt Jr., a hit, all for a plus 475, and I boosted it once again to a 7.12. So good luck. Enjoy. Hopefully, we are back-to-back weeks of making some money for everybody. And because I mean, I'm always out here to share the wealth. If I can get the wealth out there, I'm going to try to get it out there. And I'll tell you, some team right now that's getting wealth poured into them, and that is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Los Angeles Dodgers. They're a. I, uh, <laughs> all right, Los Angeles Dodgers right now. They are in buy, buy, buy mode. Like they're buying, not like buy, buy, buy. Uh, um, is it was it Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Buy, 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 buy. No, okay, oh, stop it, Kramer. Just stop. Why can't I think? I this is this is aging me right now. This is this is why I'm a Gen Z person. I mean, I grew up listening to this music, especially. All right, let's just go on to the Dodgers. It's gonna throw me off. It's gonna throw me off. I know somebody will text me right now about saying, oh, it's 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 so-and-so. So correct me, please. Please correct me. No, but the I think the Dodgers right now are in panic mode because they're, they're buying a lot of players, but I think they're buying the wrong players. I think they are concerned, as they should be, because it is a tight, and I mean a tight race out there in the National League West where it's the Dodgers are up three games in the Giants, and you have the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are four games um, out of first place. So the Gi- San Francisco Giants are just a, a, a steady machine, even though they're 3-7 and seven in the last 10, including the Arizona Diamondbacks. But the Dodgers are 5-5. Five and five. And they went out there and they got Ahmed Rosario from the Cleveland Guardians. You know what that deal was? Ahmed Rosario for Noah Syndergaard. The Dodgers realized Noah Syndergaard wasn't doing up their cup of tea. That 7-something ERA sent him out to... Cleveland for a guy who can bat a what a, a two sixty seven has three home runs on the year and forty one RBIs. He got his first RBI with the team the other night. They went out there and they got rebrought back in their guy Enrique Hernandez. Oh, Kike Hernandez, the guy that helped them win a um a win a World Series back in twenty twenty. He's back in a Dodgers uniform, and yeah, they traded for a guy who's batting a two twenty two has hit six home runs and drove in thirty one RBIs. He's played two games though in the um in the Dodgers blue and white. He's batting 500 right now. He's got three hit three hits out of um uh, six at bats. They also go out there and they get Chicago White Sox pitcher Lance Lynn and Chicago White Sox pitcher Joe Kelly. I like the Joe Kelly because he I mean he helped them win a World Series back in 2020. 
And he was fantastic when he came in for them back in 2020. And I think you can probably recapture what Joe Kelly was during his time there in Los Angeles. I mean, he had a career 3.59 ERA there, but this season hasn't been, doesn't done him fair with justice. He has a 4.97 ERA. And last season he had a 6.08 ERA. And he's only only pitched 29 innings. And that's up to 31 games so far. So at least you know he's going to come in for an inning and try to do pitch his heart out. The thing that doesn't I don't understand was they got Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn right now, he probably couldn't hit water if he jumped out of a boat. It is just not his season. At 6.47 ERA, his war is a negative 1.2, so it's not great. And if you just go on the war to all these guys that they acquired, you have Ahmed Rosario, who's a negative 0.1 war. Enrique Hernandez is a negative 0.6 war. Lance Lynn, like I just said, a negative 1.2 war. And Joe Kelly, who is a negative 0.4. They had brought in guys who is going to not necessarily improve this team. I just think right now the Dodgers are in a big panic mode because of what the San Francisco Giants are doing this season and what the Arizona Diamondbacks are. I think they're buying the wrong players. I feel like they were probably in camp trying to get Lucas Giolito and the Angels outdid them, which I think they did. And the fact that Renato Lopez also came in that deal, once again, where Lucas Giolito and Renato Lopez are in the same exact deal going to a different team once again is absolutely hysterical. Baseball is weird and it's fun, but yet it's how it goes. But panic mode in Los Angeles, I believe so. I just do. I, I think that's the number one thing right now. We're going to take a quick break. Another mound visit. We have to bring in the closer. Closing segment here on Saturdays with Kramer. Fair or foul? We do that next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Saturdays with Kramer right here on the Bet 1660. Hope you all are enjoying your lovely Saturday. It's a hot one out there once again. I'll tell you what's going to be hot tomorrow. I play baseball. It's a couple of games, 11 and 130. Can't wait. My finger is uh, a little bit messed up. I'll tell you what. I hurt myself in my last game. You probably don't really care. But you know what? I want to talk to you about it. It's, it's, it's a baseball show and it's a baseball-related injury. So I'm having second thoughts now whenever I want to go to a ball game and want to protect the people around me, such as my mother, from a foul ball coming in there. Because last Sunday, I about before the second game, before my first at-bat, there was a foul ball from the other field that was coming on the field, coming over to our field, specifically our uh, batter's box. Not our batter's box. Our, uh, oh, man, what's what's it called? You got the dugout. You got the the batter circle. I, my, my gosh, it's been, it's been a day. The ball's coming towards me. I instinctively put my hand up to catch it. I don't have a glove on. I have a batter's glove on, so therefore my first baseman's mitt is not on my hand. I go up to catch it, and my ring finger on my left hand, it basically snapped back. I, 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 out of my mind, when I looked in the corner of my eye, you know how when you see something that's like looks a little bit off if you're wearing gloves, like say if you broke a finger and it's like it's like tilted a little bit. In my mind. It looked like my finger was, I'll put quotes on it, broke. It looked like it. It hurt. My finger, it's wrapped up. It's been wrapped up all week. It's in a little splint right now. 
And yeah, I'm going to try to play through it tomorrow. But I am now second-guessing myself and, and thinking that, you know what, if a ball is hit foul at a baseball game, even if I do not have a glove on, I, I if I don't have a glove on, I'm not going out there to catch it. So I'm sorry, folks, who go to baseball games with me, and you know that I'll try to get the ball from it. What happened last Sunday? You know what? I don't want to deal with this ever again. And, yeah, who knows? It could be broken. I don't know. I think it's a ligament sprain, but man, you probably don't care. Probably breaking HIPAA rules. My, but, no, it's not, I can't be breaking HIPAA rules when I'm talking about myself. No. You know what? You didn't come here to listen to that. You came here to listen to fair or foul because that's what we're doing right now. Fair or foul. Cardinals and Cubs. I'll set the scene for you. There's two outs in the top of the first inning. Ian Happ at the dish for the St. Louis Cardinals and Miles Michaelis. I set it up. Now let's have... Chip Carey and Brad Thompson discuss further. Oh, on the big backswing. Half got Contreras in the helmet. The mask knocked away. Contreras will head off. Let's see if the Cardinals will be allowed to stitch him up and get him back in the game. I would assume that would be the case. Three balls and a strike. And another message sent. The right way. They're going to talk it over. They'll issue warnings. They'll throw them out. Wow. They Come just on. Michael is out of the game. You got to be kidding me. Have a little feel for baseball. Have a little feel for the game. So Miles Michaelis buzzes the tower with half, hits him waist high, gets thrown out of the game. Well, he's going at it right now with the ball, with the uh, dugout of the Cubs. They're waving him into the Cardinals dugout. And now things get even more dicey for the Cardinals. All right, so after Ian Happ, long swing, hit the, hit the head of Wilson Contreras, the catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, caused a gash, no stitches. He got glued up because Wilson Contreras said yesterday, he's like, he doesn't want to, he doesn't like stitches, so he's not going to get stitches because so he got glued up. He actually, Wilson Contreras played last night as well. So that happened, and Miles Michaelis threw at, threw at Ian Happ. And it looked like beforehand, I, what I was told from a friend that said that were watching the game when it actually happened, because I wasn't tuning in at that time. He said it looked like when Wilson Contreras was walking out the mound, Miles Michaelis said, I'm going to hit him. And Wilson just smiled. Okay. All right. I think it's foul on so many levels that he got ejected. I mean, Ian Happ did that. He's got to get his receipt at some point. I mean, you literally just took the guy out of the first inning. You took two players out of the first inning, and Miles Michaelis, the pitcher who's only gone two players, and it's like the Cardinals' bullpen isn't trustworthy anyways, so it sucks that they had to turn over to the bullpen that quick, especially when they haven't even gotten out of the first inning yet. Two, the catcher is out of the game because of injury. Because Ian Happ did that. I get that part was fair. But the foul part, man, was him getting thrown out. Now I don't, it's, it's like the ump, ump show. It's like the umpires are out against the St. Louis Cardinals right now. Last Saturday, Alec Burleson was batting and against the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley, and one pitch was outside the zone. That was called a strike. Okay, all right. He asked who the, the umpire, he asked the umpire, like, was that on the corner? And he said, yes. The next pitch even further out was called a strike and Burleson's mad 
And then the next pitch, he another he had to swing that was also outside the zone that the umpire has kept on calling, rolled into a double play, and he ended up getting ejected because he's pretty much said your 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 strike zone's terrible, which it was. The umpires are out against the St. Louis Cardinals, and I'm not here for it. They are already worse than that they've already are. So we don't need to be rubbing it in that okay, let's just turn it over to the bullpen. Oh, there's another loss. The heck, I mean, even last night they won, they lost three to two. Alec Burleson almost hit a walk-off home run, but it was robbed at the wall by who else? Oh, man. It's so frustrating. So frustrating being a St. Louis Cardinals fan now. It is. So I think it's foul the fact that Miles Michaelis got ejected. I, I do. Mets potentially trading Justin Verlander. Fair or foul? This is foul, and I believe on so many levels. Justin Verlander chose to go to the New York Mets. The New York Mets haven't hold up their end of the bargain this year. Heck, they've already even traded Eduardo Escobar earlier this year, this season, and they even traded David Robertson, one of their bullpen guys, earlier this week. Now Justin Verlander is in the mix of being traded, and two of the potential teams that he could be traded to is either Texas Rangers or his former team that he helped win World Series with, the Houston Astros. The fact that the Houston Astros are willing to want to bring back Justin Verlander to their team is actually kind of head-scratching because they could have at least just paid him the money that he wanted and kept him on the team. Now you have to trade assets over to the Mets in order to bring him back, and you're, they're going to have to be some good assets because Justin Verlander, I think he still has three or four more seasons left in him, and he's in his 40s. He keeps his body. I don't know if it's Kate Upton the reason why he's uh, up to par and doing everything possible, but, man, he is doing things at a great age. So I think it's foul. I think the fact that the Mets are trying to trade him is just foul because we already seen what Stephen Cohen, I, I preached and I preached very hard on this show, the fact that I love what Steve Cohen did was to buy, buy, buy their, his players in the offseason to try to make sure to build a winning ball club. It's just he just bought the wrong guys. It, it, it happens. But he can eat that money rather than some people. But it's foul at the fact that the Mets are trying to trade him. Players' interactions with fans. So Christopher Morrell of the Cubs uh, played rock, paper, scissors this week with a, a young fan. Not with the, not with the, any Cardinals players. And I think they were in, I'm a, I'm a, they were in, I think at the South Side of Chicago when this when this video put, played out. Played rock, paper, scissors with the fan. That young fan is going to remember doing that for the rest of his life. It's kind of like how I remember going up and getting an autograph from Tim Hudson. When I was at a, um, a Cardinals game, when I was younger, trying to went to see Edgar Torrio play for the the Atlanta Braves, I I went up there, got a autograph from Tim Hudson and an autograph from Tommy Hansen. Like that was that was awesome. That was, that was it was something I'll always live with. And Carlos Rondon blows kisses after he was actually rocked hard by the Angels this uh, was it, last week. Like it was like I think it was on Sunday last week, or maybe it was on Saturday last week. But he blew kisses to the fans. And I love this interaction with the fans. No matter what it is, it's always great. It's good because, I mean, the players see it. The fans see it. It's just a great interaction. Absolutely fair for this. Lastly, on the fair or foul, there's a new Hawaiian bros up in St. Joseph. The location is where the old shoes building used to be. So if you're a, a local for the St. Joe area, that entire intersection, you already know how bad it is, and that's without a Hawaiian bros there. But they are, uh, it's going to get so bad that, I don't know, it's just going to be a, a terrible decision for you to go up there. So I, I don't know, I digress, but you know what? Beautiful day for a Saturday here at Kramer. We're going to talk to you next week. Hope you all enjoy it.
Hope you have a great weekend. I know it's football season for some people, but it's still baseball season for me. So, everybody, have a good one. Put a smile on your face, Kansas City, because you never know who needs to see it. Have a good one. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on The Bet 1660.